Hello and welcome to episode four of the Guy That Cooks podcast with me, Tom Merton. So I need to start off by saying a huge thank you to everyone that's been listening so far. Um, But I do have a huge favour to ask. I've joined Twitter and I would love it if you could follow me, please. I will put the uh, link to the Twitter in the description of this. Um, I'd love to hit 100 followers by Christmas. Also, Instagram, I'm so close to 200 followers. Please, please, please help me get there by Christmas as well with that. Um, If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please do, if you enjoy the podcast, leave me a five-star review. It will really, really help uh, push the podcast out there, get me some new listeners. And also, the more followers I've got, uh, the easier it's going to be to, you know, get on some big-name guests that I'd really love to to talk to very soon hopefully in the new year so that can only happen really with your help guys so please 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 do tell your friends get them to share get them to follow get them to like the posts thank you so here we go episode four and this is with Theo Bamba so Theo is from London he grew up there um, and he trained as a classical singer while he was training as a classical singer, he worked in a lot of restaurants, which we talk about. Uh, he then went to train as an actor at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama. After deciding that the acting business wasn't for him, even though his two parents are both actors themselves, he decided that he wanted to work in the hospitality industry. Um, so he's currently working at one of London's oldest restaurants, the Quality Chop House, and also at the Quality Chop House shop. Um it's a really enjoyable episode. It's a bit different to the other ones that have been on so far, um, but I really like it and I hope you enjoy it. So here we go. Episode four of the Guy That Cooks podcast with Theo Bamba. So, Theo, thank you for coming on to the Guy That Cooks podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm flattered to be asked, to be honest. <laughs> You're very welcome. So, I want to start off back at the beginning. Um, what do you remember of food as a, as a child? What was your, your parents cooking like? What sort of meals did you have and things like that? Um, well, I ate very well as a child, actually. My mum was it still is a really good cook um and she was she was part of this sort of early 90s organic food wave though um which which sounds great and is great and i i'd eat a lot of really nice food but she she kind of got a bit hung up on certain things so like i wasn't allowed to eat twister ice creams because they had gelatin in them and there was a there was a thing. I I think it was something to do with mad cow disease or something um, that people like were told that gelatin was bad. So I couldn't have that. I think I, I was I ate a lot of sun made raisins. You know those ones that come in the little red packs. I took a lot of them. Um, I was definitely the kid who would turn up at like a birthday party where you had to bring your own lunch with sort of cucumber and hummus rather than like a cheese sandwich that was me and i 
I was always jealous of my friends who, you know, I'd go to their house for dinner at the age of sort of five or six or whatever, if I was having like a play date and their mum would make a chicken nuggets or something. And it was kind of like I had arrived in, in Narnia. Um, and because uh, I never got any of that, but actually looking back on it, I got really nice food. So like, yeah, bolognese, we had a lot of bolognese um, and things like that. But no, mum, mum is, and was a really good cook. So, I definitely didn't appreciate it, but I ate a lot of very nice home cooked food when I was younger. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, I'd sort of, yeah, a little bit similar. We, we would never really allow processed food at all unless we had a friend over. And then it was like, wow, Christmas has come early and it's May or something <laughs> like that. What about when, if, if you did have friends come over, what would, what, what would your mum cook for them? Oh, great question. Um, Pasta. We 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 did eat a lot of pasta. I think she she thought that like other kids would just definitely eat whatever she made. She made a lot of risotto with peas. I remember that. I can't remember whether the other children ate it or not. Um, I don't know. I think maybe they returned home and tried to tell their parents they'd kind of been malnourished at my house. Um, yeah, a lot of risotto pasta uh chopped up fruit um out of a tin or or fresh oh god no fresh <laughs> and and it would have been like either it would have had no um pesticide on it or she definitely would have washed it like thoroughly um yeah i, I think she was she was just because i was their first i was the first child i do have a brother now but i was the first child and they 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 tried for a child for, for a while. And so I think when I finally came along, like my mum, there was nothing getting in the way of my health. And so like, if there was pesticide that could do something to me, it was coming off that apple or whatever. Um, so yeah, lots of vegetables, stuff like that. I can't, I can't remember really specifically stuff from when I was very small, but ratatouille, I definitely ate some of that when I was a kid. Um, wholesome, wholesome food. Yeah. Do you think that sort of um, shaped your way of, of cooking and, and what you like to cook now? It did, it was, did, is there a big influence from what you had as a child on, on what you now make? I think, I think so. I think my mum is, a, is a, a sort of a feeder, definitely. But she loves mass catering as well. She, <clears throat> she loves cooking for lots of people. And I think I like doing the same style of things so like big dishes middle of the table I think maybe my presentation is a bit more refined than hers sometimes um but yeah I think definitely that the kind of spirit of cooking that she has which is generosity um you know great ingredients take lots of care lots of time like I, I definitely think I I've tried to inherit a bit of that and put that into the way that I cook now and just make sure like you're you're you're, you're giving people enough that they enjoy it like no one wants to leave hungry you don't want to leave a restaurant hungry and 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 my mum definitely doesn't want you to leave her house hungry so I think I, I I've tried to kind of take a bit of that into my cooking as well yeah definitely perfect so thinking of of you know leaving places hungry I always used to get really hungry after school dinners so what were your thoughts on school dinners did with at your school was it nice or was it sort of you know all that one big pot and <laughs> splodged on the plate or how was it um well 
That's a very good question. I went to boarding school, so I, I was very much at the mercy of, of, of school dinners. So the first place I went, um, the food was abysmal. Like it was really, really abysmal. And it was served on these like prison style plates. So basically it's like a bit of plastic, uh, which has been like vacuum, you know, uh, you did it in DT at school, you know, when you like push shapes out with the vacuum machine thing. So there was like a segment for your main course, then a bit where you put your cutlery, a little thing for your um, like glass, and then a, a quarter for your pudding. And like the food was just abysmal. I think my, my really defining memory of that was in the mornings, um, if they made scrambled eggs, they were like, they were powdered scrambled eggs, which in themselves, like fine powdered eggs, whatever. But they would put the powder in a jug and then like make it. And then the guy would just come out with the jug and just pour it into the thing. Under the like, it was so, so deeply unappetizing. And like, yeah, the food was just terrible. And actually my brother went to the same school seven years after I did. And for some reason at the time that he was there, they decided to do a little survey of what the pupils thought of the food. And, um, and he was just very honest and I'm not going to swear on your podcast, but basically he just wrote at the age of 11, the food is, <laughs> and <laughs> thing is that the school really wanted to take him to town on it. I mean, why? I don't really know, but my parents, my parents just were like, well, this is great. This sounds, this sounds brilliant. Um, you know, well done for speaking up. So that was really, the food was terrible. Like all the boarding school nightmare nightmares about food that you can think of like when like, that was it um and then the next school I went to the food was a bit better um actually there was one year in that school where they got like a new chef I think something like that and he didn't quite like understand the whole budgeting thing or if he did he just made like a decision not to go by it so there was a whole year where the food was unbelievable like it was incredible the stuff we were getting was amazing basically what it turned out was he had spent three or four years worth of budget in one year <laughs> bought all this incredible stuff and was just sort of churning out and um and so then the next couple of years it was a bit crap but um yeah like I think I probably had had maybe a, a, an above average school meals experience but definitely had some pretty ropey moments the first school has scarred you for for life i tell you some of that stuff was so bad like uh, yeah i don't i don't even know where they bought it from they definitely didn't cook it there um yeah it was terrible <laughs> amazing so you finish school and then uh you go off um and become a classically trained singer when you were training were you living at home or had you moved out then um the first year, so actually before that, I went, I, I did a gap year. I should have mentioned that. So I went on a gap year. And food-wise, it's quite interesting. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, I went to Norwich, which is not, it's not Thailand. I can tell you that. Everyone um, else goes to Bali or yeah, <laughs> go to Norwich. And goes to their full moon parties and, and stuff. And I went to Norwich. Um, and basically just ate like crap for the whole year 
um, there was a, there was a takeaway at the end of the road called I think it was called Lotus House, and um, I probably ordered from there like twice a week. And I'm talking, it was a hundred yards down the street. Never went in the shop. Always had it delivered. Um, I would like go to Tesco and just buy like a whole pack of pork pies, and that would be my dinner. Um, McDonald's drive-through was definitely at least once a week. Uh, I just just ate so oh there was a there was a, a restaurant which I think still remains one of my favourite named restaurants in the UK. It was called UK Best Pizza and Kebab. That was the name. Of it. <laughs> I can tell you, it was not the UK's best pizza or kebab restaurant, but it was it was it did the job. So that was a year of just eating like just so badly, and I just didn't really think about it at the time. Anyway, so then when I, I finished there and then I, I went to, um, to Music College and that was in London and my parents live in London. But for the first year, I lived in halls down in Shepherd's Bush. Um, and again, I, I just ate so badly. There was right, like directly opposite the, um, the hall was another Chinese takeaway. It seems to be my Achilles heels, the Chinese takeaway. And I can't, I think it was called like, I can't remember what it's called, but basically it was on a corner and the Chinese takeaway was on one side. And then on the other corner, there was a fish and chip shop, but they were owned by the same people and they shared a kitchen. <laughs> so they like, <laughs> it was genius. So they like, I kind of got into those, those, that quite a lot. Um, yeah, again, just ate terribly. And then I moved home in my second year. And I think started to to eat a bit better. Your mother uh, saw like, you and went, "No, you need some ratatouille, don't you?" <laughs> yeah, I I basically probably hadn't eaten a green vegetable for about two years, <laughs> and was just I just put on so much weight, and I think like regardless of what I looked like, the inside of my body was probably like close to just expiring, and um. And so moving home in that second year was was probably a bit of a blessing in that respect. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, I think when that happened, then I, I started to maybe eat a bit better and think about food a bit more, maybe. So is that when you started to, to learn that you could cook? Is that when you sort of, you know, sat yourself down and went, no, come on, I need to sort it out and, and give it a go? I don't, I don't think I, I don't know, because every, everyone says, oh, I, you know, they or whoever learned to cook when they were a child with their mum and stuff. And I've never really cooked with my mum or my dad or, you know, um, I can tell you a story about that actually in a minute. But I think, I don't really know whether I cooked a lot that year. I think, um, I mean, when I was in, when I was in Norwich, I did occasionally turn the oven on. Actually, this is a great story. So there was a guy who I was there with and he was like a relatively smart guy. He was, he was doing his gap year and then he was going off to Cambridge. And um, I don't think he's going to listen to this podcast because I don't think he probably listens to any podcast. He's probably just offered his own universe. Uh, and it, he was called Gus. And, um, and he, he, was, he was a nice guy, but he, he was a bit... Um, 
a bit dopey sometimes. He just wouldn't maybe use the full extent of his brain. And I was sitting in the living room watching TV, probably eating a takeaway or something. And Gus comes in and goes, um, Theo, I've, I've had my soup on the stove for about half an hour and nothing's happened. I'm like, okay, God, what have you done? And so I go into the kitchen and basically what he's done is he's turned the gas on, but not realised that he actually has to light it. And it was also worried because the room smelt so strongly of gas. Gus was also a smoker, so it was lucky that he didn't just light up a cigarette whilst he was waiting, because the whole place would have just gone off and flame. So, so it was also hilarious, because like, you are so stupid. What have you done? So open the windows, like, get out, turn the gas off, don't come back in here. So I did kind of know how to turn a stove on and things like that. Um, but I don't think actually I really started like properly cooking like meaningfully for myself until my third year at music college when I moved out of home to a flat with some friends. And then I was like, okay, I probably need to lose a bit of weight. I need to stop just ordering takeaways and buying ready meals and stuff. I need to actually cook. And I can't remember really what I sort of started with, but I think I just like basics. I don't know, just yeah. pasta probably and like pasta sauces and maybe, um, yeah, bits of chicken and stuff like that. And I kind of, you know, I, I'd always like watching cookery programs and stuff. So I sort of kind of got, got into it a bit doing that as well. Um, and it kind of just went from there and, and, and I, I've always enjoyed eating out mm. and I've always liked, you know, going to restaurants and, and, and food in general. So it wasn't like I suddenly kind of was like, Oh, I really like food. And I really, I kind of knew that bit, but I think I'd not really done it under my own steam. And had you worked at any restaurants by this point or had you? Yes, I had. So in my... The summer before my, I think it was the summer before my first year at music college, or maybe it was after, sometime around then, um, I worked for a company called Corbin and King. So Chris Corbin and Jeremy King, they ran the Ivy back in the day, Caprice, Sheikis, these really classic London restaurants. And then they sold those off and then they now own um, the Woolsey, the Delaunay, Brasserie Zadell. You know, they're, they're really amazing guys, brilliant restaurateurs. Um, and, and I worked for them um, sort of on and off really throughout my time in music college um, doing, doing sort of all sorts. So I kind of begun to see the restaurant world from that side and kind of got quite interested in it. Um, and then sort of thinking, God, actually, this is this is this is such a fascinating business. It combines so many things, you know, not just the food and the, the service and the but the business side of it, and then the emotional side. You know, mm. restaurants for me are ultimately emotional places. They are driven by emotion. Um, they they create emotion. They inspire emotion, but they respond to emotion, and 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 they also hold emotion like they you walk into a restaurant, you, you feel a certain way. And that's because of the atmosphere that is in that place at that time. And so I kind of begun to kind of have these little, um, like these indicators sort of um, tickled as it were, uh, and kind of begin to 
to get a get a sense of how these places work. So yeah, I was beginning to sort of do that and and then kind of get a bit more interested in food and uh, and and I guess I don't know what it's been like for you, but it's kind of thing that sort of gently bubbles away, you know. Yeah, it's it's certainly it feels like one of those those ones where it's a slow burner and you have to know that you love it to really go for it because i think if you don't love it and you go for it then it's it's such a hard job and it's there's such hard places to be in when you're on the other side as you say you know the emotion that it can can bring up so you have to completely love it and accept those bad days when you have a terrible service and, and things like that because you know that the next the next day is probably going to be a brilliant one um so uh then you come to royal welsh um which is where we meet um and i've i've got to say this because uh, i've never ever forgotten about them but me and theo did a play together uh, three days in the country and during rehearsals theo would bring in the best brownies <laughs> i have ever tasted in my life it got so he bought I'd, I'd heard about them from the other MA <laughs> from the course and I was sort of I, I liked foods but I I didn't sort of really know how to bake or anything like that I went well I'll give them a try and then I tried one and I think I think I may have like welled up or something turn around and weld up they are so good so so good um so like how did you come up with I just want to talk about the brownies. How did you come up oh, with yeah. the creation of the brownies? We can definitely talk about the brownies. Um, so they, I think I made my first load of brownies. Oh, so actually I should probably tell you what, what I started baking because the year, so the summer before I came to a Welsh, um, I basically finished the job that I was doing and I had like maybe like a month or two month and a half of kind of not really doing anything and so I was just like well I'm just going to start baking I've just I don't know why I chose that but I was like oh I'll just start doing it and so I literally got to the point where I was sort of like baking two or three things a day at home like depending on what it was how long it was I was just trying to like you know go through recipe books and try stuff and the brownies definitely came out of that kind of period um I I started with a recipe. I don't know whose recipe it was. I can't remember. But basically, um, I really like brownies that are really gooey. Um, not to the point where they just like literally melt in your hand, but you want that like fudgy bite. You don't want, you're not eating a cake. You're not eating a piece of chocolate. And so with a brownie, like the basic principle, or with anything really, anything you're baking like that, the basic principle is, like the more flour you put in, the more cakey it's going to be, and the more fat and so butter or chocolate you put in, the more um, like fudgy it's going to be. So like over various or over sort of numerous iterations of it, I just changed the ratio of flour to butter until I got it to to kind of what it what I wanted. And I think that recipe per batch, I think it's about I haven't actually made them for a while. But it's something like 220 grams of butter oh and about 70 grams of flour or something. <laughs> it's like very but and it's I think it's equal butter and chocolate. So I think it's 220 butter, 220 chocolate, and then about 70 grams of flour, something like that. Oh. 
so yeah, in at Royal Welsh, I obviously wasn't from Cardiff like you. You know, most of us weren't, uh, but I was living in a flat on my own, and so kind of when I wasn't like doing stuff, I I was just like, well, I'm just going to bake it. I'll just do it. Um, so I spent quite a lot of time actually baking, you know, the week and order. And um, it was nice to have such a, a, a willing custom base. I didn't sell them, let's just be clear. But like, um, that's for the listeners. I didn't, I wasn't trying to extort money out of my classmates. But um, it was nice to have people who I could just take them to. Because I think if I had eaten all of them, I would have just become enormous. Um, so yeah, that, that was that. And I'm glad that you enjoyed them. But it, yeah, it was fun, actually. It was nice to, to sort of be able to do bits and bobs like that and keep people happy. Yeah, well, it was certainly needed, I think, isn't it, during rehearsals and things like yeah, that. You need, you need something to get you through. <laughs> um, you say about, uh, you know, with a recipe for the brownie, is that how you work then? Do you, you know, when you're cooking something new for the first time, do you look at a recipe that's already out there and then sort of adapt it yourself? Or are you at the stage now where, have you ever done that? Or have you always just sort of gone, I want to do this, I'm just going to make it and see if it goes wrong? Um, I think a bit of both. I think with certain things, like, I think particularly in the baking department, like, a recipe is generally a good way to go because baking is scientific at its core. You know, temperatures, quantities, like, they really do change the um, integrity, like, physical integrity, not kind of moral integrity, but the physical <laughs> integrity of what you're baking. Um, I mean, you only have to watch half half an episode of Bake Off to realise that if you do get something wrong, it does it, it does change things a lot. It's not quite like other kinds of cooking where you can probably a bit of this, bit of that. So I think with baking, I definitely start with a recipe, and then in recipe books that I have, I'll then write down like because also remembering like recipe books are not always right. They, they vary in how well they've been tested and all those things. So like sometimes it's not quite right or like a bit of equipment that you have isn't quite what they want or your oven's not the right or whatever. So I always find it really useful just to, to note down in the recipe books if I've changed anything and then I can kind of do that again. So with baking, I think generally, yes, um, I'll start with the recipe and then, and then change it. With other stuff, it kind of depends what it is. And it also depends on how much effort I want to put in. Um, I think like a weeknight supper. Actually, to be honest, me and my me and my partner, we do we do cook from recipe books, like a few, some choice ones, um, and we do we do try and follow the recipe. But generally, so well, just bit of this, bit of that, kind of it generally works. Um, I think the key with that often is try not to be too adventurous. I mean, I, not in terms of interest, but like keep it simple. Don't try and use every ingredient in your pantry or yeah. in your on your fridge because that that just won't taste nice i've tried that i was actually <laughs> during lockdown i think i was making lunch or something for the two of us and like we didn't have that much food in the house and i was like oh, i'll make some sort of like green like some like a green minestrone kind of thing and um i've got a bit of this and that and i'll just kind of put it together and it'll be like a nice like um yeah, like a nice healthy green soup thing would be fine. And basically, what I don't know what happened. I don't know what I was doing. It was it basically just tasted like kind of like it's not quite rotten, but like you know when you leave a bag of salad in the fridge and it kind of like sweats a lot. Yeah. So it was like that, 
with like vinegar. I, don't, I just don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> so sometimes it goes wrong. Um, but yeah, I think like with that, with that sort of food, I think generally be a bit more improvisatory. Um, but then I also think in that realm, there are things that like a recipe helps. So beef Wellington, for example. Which like, your beef Wellington looks incredible. Gordon Ramsay would be in awe of something like that. <laughs> I think the most recent, the most recent version of that was it was a good one. That was actually a Callum Franklin recipe. I don't know if you know Callum Franklin, but he's the chef at um, the Hoban Dining Room, and just makes the most incredible pies, pastries. Like it's it's really incredible. Like it's art, really amazing stuff. And I've made beef Wellington probably like three times a year for the past few years, but kind of never really used a solid recipe. But I got his book and I was like, I'm going to do his recipe. And it takes two days, the whole thing. And it, and it really is a good one. And yeah, it was, it was lovely. So I think just, yeah, like you want to challenge yourself, but you also want to get stuff right. So what yeah. are you most proud of ever making? Oh, God uh the, the most recent beef wellington i was yeah. i was happy with um oh, such a good question actually because like for me cooking cooking and 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 food is just if you're sharing it with people and they enjoy it i don't really care what it is like it could be a, something like a beef wellington but like a, a brownie or, or a lasagna or whatever like to, to be able to give someone some food and make them happy is something that i I really enjoy um but it's the feeling isn't it that it provokes rather than yeah exactly and 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 it can be something really simple but if it means something to them or like you know you give a meal to someone when they're like they've just had a baby or whatever you know that is something that that I'm really like that that means a lot to me and to, to be able to do um but oh god I think like some of my mass catering efforts are probably some of the things I'm most proud of. So whether it's like, yeah, for friends or family or parties, I, I obviously won't be able to do it this year, but normally I have like a nice Christmas party with like 20 or 30 people and I like do a big spread of all different things. And like, I'm always quite proud of that because it does take a lot of time and a lot of effort and work and stuff. And, and it's really nice to, to be able to do that and then relax and enjoy the party. Um, which I actually definitely don't do because I'm just constantly worrying whether they've got enough food, enough drink, <laughs> whether it's tidy or that, you know, all that stuff. But um, so you like your mother, you're, you're a feeder as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I do worry that, you know, my worst nightmare would be someone to come to my house and just be like, oh, I'm still hungry. I would, I really wouldn't like that. Um, and then have to get like a McDonald's on the way home or something. Yeah. You know, I, I really wouldn't like that. So I think I think nothing specific necessarily, but like yeah, some things where you've got a lot of people and you're making people happy. That's what I'm proud of doing. Yeah. What's the best meal out you've ever had? Oh, now I was looking at this. I've actually written a list because I I don't actually I I don't know if I can pin it down because again, like for me, probably the best meals that I've ever had are not probably not to do with the food exclusively yeah um the kind of restaurants that i really love are, are, are ones where the food is great wine is great service all that stuff but 
really what it does is it facilitates your time with the people that you're with you know um and and that's what i enjoy and they're the kind of restaurants that really do it for me having said that i do have i've got a few um because i don't know if i can pin it down to to one um so when i one of my really great friends who i only actually known for about four years really great friends we we went out for lunch together quite early on in our friendship uh, at, a, at a, a members club in Soho and we turned up at 12.30, didn't leave till 7.30 and it was just one of those meals where you're just having so much fun and the food is just brilliant, the drink, the atmosphere and you're just like, this is the kind of place that I want to spend my time mm. and that's really memorable for me. Um, other ones, I went to Bologna last year with my brother. Just had some incredible food there. Amazing. We just sort of walked around and just went into wherever we wanted to go. And you just go and you don't, and they just, the food just arrives. And you're just like, this is, this is about conviviality and generosity. And, and it's, it gets you like quite emotional because you're thinking like all these people are wanting to do is give you a great time. And that's what it's about for me. That's what eating out is about for me. Um, Katie and I, we've got a great restaurant near us called Trullo, um, which is Italian, Italian restaurant, super simple, but they make the most amazing pasta. And we've had some great meals there. Just like, so you just, so low pressure. Yeah. It's like you don't, you don't have to do anything or, or kind of worry. You just go and you just know it's going to be good. And so we love that. Um, yeah. So I think like some sort of, blend of all of those is <laughs> probably my favorite meal out um yeah i would say i know so that would be your perfect restaurant if you could blend all the the good things and then put it all yeah I oh and i would add in the draper's arms which is an, a pub a pub near us just again just it's just they just do it right yeah they give you they're generous in every way and that's what great meals are for me is generosity and and uh your generosity married with great produce and that does it for me. So is there, is there anything that you've, um, that you've not cooked with that you'd like to give a, give it a go? Oh. Any protein or a vegetable or something like that you've never tried, but you would like to, to have a go at, at cooking yourself? That's such a great question. Um, I think, you know, actually the, the things that I'd really like to try and cook more with or cook with is some of like the more prime fish. So like I've never cooked turbot myself. Like I'd love to. I'd be scared out of my mind, but I would love to, to do a turbot. Um, I've done like monkfish and things like that, but yeah, turba is definitely, definitely up there for me. Um, I think on the meat side, you know, I, I feel I feel quite satisfied. I don't things like wagyu beef and stuff. To be honest, doesn't really do it for me, and it's not something that I, I would like necessarily to to cook myself at home. Um, veg, I love mushrooms. And I do, I've done like porcini's, your old things like that, but there are definitely some more weird and wacky mushrooms mm. out there that I'd like to to get my hands on. 
um, do something with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I just, again, I like, I like cooking quite simple things. Yeah. In terms of like what I put together, but the quality of the ingredients is, is always, is something that like I would spend money on as it were. Like I would go for that over quantity. So a turbot would definitely come under the spend money column because they're really expensive. Did you see, um, did you see the documentary about the Savoy that was on? Yeah. Um, did you see the turbot Wellington that yeah. they did on that? Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Like, I, I would love to have a go at that, but <laughs> only if someone else was paying. No, um, and then when Gordon Ramsay comes in, he's like, no, yeah, he just throws right. it away. Like, <laughs> oh, I'll eat that, mate. That's yeah. probably 60 quid worth there. Um, yeah, I think, I think those, like, for me, like, good fish cooking is just, like, you get a great piece of a fish cooked really well. There are a few things better, actually. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that would be my answer to that one. So, uh, your favourite, we go, we're going from talking about turbot into what would be your favourite takeaway? Oh, okay. Um, great question. Is it Chinese from Lotus House or? Chinese from Lotus House, very, very good. Like, it really was good. At least, I, like, in my memory, it was very good. Um, do you want, like, a cuisine or do you want a specific location? Am I doing an ad plug for a place or? Yeah, let's do both. Let's okay. have both. So near us in North London is a brilliant takeaway. I think Chinese is probably too broad, but I'm going to call it Chinese because I don't want to be more specific and get it wrong. Called Zhan Impression. Oh my God. I think it's mainly Sichuan actually. They do some really spicy stuff. Um, That's so good. Oh my God, it's so good. There's this like cold poached chicken in a garlic sauce that is ridiculous. So that's definitely, definitely out there. Um, and pizza, there's a place called Zia Lucia. They've got like four or five around London. So nice. I think some of the best takeaway pizza I've had actually, definitely. So they would be like specific places. But on the flip side of that, like, like a bit of a dirty Chinese, like a bit of a greasy one. Yeah. I, I, I do like that. Sweet sour time. chicken balls, all that sort of stuff where yeah. the fat is in the bottom of the bag. Slight, slightly bad ones, you know. Um, and I do like a kebab. I haven't had one for ages. But I do. I do there's just a lot of satisfaction about like having something so deeply unhealthy that you just sort of smash into your face and where i used to live between the tube station and my house there were like three on a corner again i always had takeaways on corners there was there were three little kebab shops and if i had been out and had a few too many drinks i would i would always just go in there and just kind of get one and um yeah at the time they're the best thing in the world and you know the next morning you're gonna you're gonna regret it but like kind of doesn't matter so yeah like if i'm if i'm in that way kebab anytime but otherwise you know a nice jan impression chinese that will do it for me what um what sauce do you have on your kebab are you a garlic mayo chili sort of guy what what do you go for i i i 100 garlic mayo all the way and then if i forget that i 
don't really like super spicy things, I'll have chili as well. I think I think if I'm like trying to impress the person who's working there, yeah. yeah. I'm exactly but, the same. I actually don't really like it. I, I mean, I do like spicy things to an extent, but also in there, they, they always put a lot on and it just gets too much. And I just, yeah, you know, it just gives me a bit of, yeah, it doesn't go well with me. Um, so garlic mayo, 100%. And uh, yeah, maybe a bit of a bit of chili if I feel like I'm kind of in some sort of popularity contest um, with the other customers. I'll, I'll do that as well. Yeah. So I've got um, one more question left, but before we yeah, go on okay. to that, what is next for Theo Bamba? What's what's happening in in the world? What's what's going to happen for you in the next few years? Where do you want to be? Such a good question. If you could answer that, or if I could answer that, then that would that would be brilliant. Um, well. I've kind of got I've got quite a few things that that I want to do. Um, so number one is I don't know I don't know how to order them. Well, okay, let's just it's a flat hierarchy. They're not in order of preference. Yeah. Number one, open my own open my own place. Um, it's definitely on the cards. It's been on the cards in some way, shape, or form for for a while. Um, I think the the landscape that we're in at the moment means that exactly when that's going to happen, I don't know, because I think it will be a case of seeing an opportunity and, and deciding pretty quick whether it's worth it. I think COVID, uh, Brexit, all these things are going to, are going to obviously having a huge effect on the hospitality um, industry in the UK. And I think Sadly, of course, it's meaning that a lot of places are going to close down, have closed down, will close down. Um, uh, but what I do also think that's going to mean is there are going to be opportunities, particularly with sites, to to kind of jump in on somewhere that 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 unfortunately uh, somewhere ha- someone had to close, and so there may be some quite good opportunities um, at quite short notice. So I think for me, just kind of being in a position where I'm ready to push the button as you know to a certain extent on on somewhere uh, is quite important so that's definitely um that definitely in the pipeline the exact form that will take is still up for debate um but yeah so that's that's a big ambition and and something that i you know looking for sort of 12 to 18 months ish to 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 get going great and then one final question just to round everything off yeah. um i think this is the most important question that anyone could ever ask you. someone um you've committed a horrible picture this get the acting head back on you've committed a horrible crime okay. um you are sitting on death row oh, in uh, let's go for somewhere in america state in america you're sitting on death row okay. they come to you and they say right what do you want for your last three course meal we'll bend the rules you can have an alcoholic drink you can have a a bottle of wine or something like that whatever you want three course meal so it can be anything it can be a starter from a a restaurant just whatever you want okay um bottle of wine like would have to be some sort of red burgundy pinot noir maybe like I wouldn't want to be, well, no, I would want to be specific with the producer, I guess. Um, maybe like an Uber Linier Pinot Noir, something really, really nice. Because I'm definitely not paying for it. Um, 
I think, oh my God, I, I just, I think I would just have to go like really simple, but really, really nice. Um, so for my, I could do the dessert. Can I do the dessert? Yeah, I love yeah, any order you want. Have to be apple crumble with loads of custard. My dad always gets really annoyed if I order apple crumble in a restaurant because he's like, why would you order that? You can make it at home. I'm like, yeah, but the point is I'm not making it. So it would be a whole thing of apple crumble, definitely for, 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 for pudding. Um, one of my favorite starters of all time, retro classic is prawn cocktail. I just love it. I loved it when I was a child. I love it now. Just with massive prawns. Maybe actually a bit of lobster in there as well, just to like, you know, piss them off because it would be expensive. Um, and then for the main course, God. I think I would, if, if, I, if I was going to, you know, have my last moments, I would want to feel warm inside and I would want to feel full. So I think I would probably go for like some sort of beef cheek thing with like the creamiest mashed potato that you can ever have and loads of really rich sauce so i was kind of in a bit of a food coma um i think i think that would be it yeah washed down with some really nice red wine i mean yeah i'd be pretty sad because it would be my last few hours on earth but like i think that would be all right I, you know yeah. so we're going for a prawn cocktail with lobster in there yeah a beef as well as prawn lobster and prawn lobster and prawn yeah, not yeah. just with no, no, no. All, in, all in the same thing. Prawn and lobster. Yeah, uh, cocktail. cocktail. Uh, beef cheek with creamy mash. Any truffle in there as well? Or? No, I just want the beef, like, but like the richest beef cheek sauce you can imagine. And then to finish, just a classic apple crumble. Yeah, but like a whole tray. You know, like the whole thing for me. With hot custard, cinnamon, like, oh, yeah. Perfect. Well, that's everything. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's My been great an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I've had a lovely time. Thank you so much. Great. No worries. Thank you very much, Theo Bamba. Yeah.